Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Bryant. Hi, Josh. Chuck, I'm going to tell you something that you might not know about me. <laughs> oh, boy. As a uh, youth. As a youth. Youth. A, uh, an older boy in the neighborhood named Tommy Roper trained me as a ninja. An altar boy or older? Older. Okay. Yeah, so trained I'm a user. trained ninja. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah, this, uh, this encompassed... Uh, generally sitting on top of a uh, storage shed in my backyard, right? Quietly, sure, for hours on end, <laughs> waiting for somebody to walk past, uh, so that we could find out whether or not they noticed us. And you, that's where you started smoking because you were bored. Not yet. That came like a year or two okay. later. Yeah. Um, so you did not adhere to the bushido. No, I don't know if smoking is is outlawed by the bushido. <laughs> I just meant the way of the ninja. No, that's the samurai. Well, no, the ninja, though, shined the Bushido. Right. Right. Okay, I got what you're saying. <laughs> I think we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So, Chuck, I thought, you know, I kind of carried that with me my whole life. I'm sure. Like, I'd see a, a throwing star every once in a while and be like, I know how to throw that, you know? Did you have any of those? <clears throat> Tommy did. I never had any. Those no. were big in the 80s for little nerds to collect. Totally. Um, I found out, though, when I read How Ninjas Work, mm-hmm. that I am nothing more than a dilettante. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised to find that out. I believe you said ninjas. That is not correct, right? No, it is. It's ninja. It's like fish or deer. I know. We've ninja. been drilling that into each other's head and all morning. And it hasn't stuck And at I'm all. still saying ninjas. Yeah. So if we slip up, then give us a break. Right. So, Chuck. Josh. One of the first things I noticed from this article was that um, ninja, although Japanese in nature and origin, uh-huh. actually can trace its roots back to the Chinese. Yes, very much, because of kind of what I was just talking about with the Bushido was uh, the samurai code where you very respectfully would face one another, face your enemy one-on-one and do battle. And the ninja subscribed more to uh, the art of war school of thought. Right, as espoused by Sun Tzu. Which was a little sneakier. Right. And smarter, if you ask me. It is smarter, and I mean, that's how the American colonists won the uh, war for independence. Yeah. The British were all like, hey, we've got a bunch of Hessians here, and they're ready to fight you on this field. And we were our guys were, yeah, <laughs> jumping out of trees and bayoneting them. Uh-huh. Yeah, very ninja-esque, very uh, Sun Tzu. Uh, he wrote The Art of War back in the 4th or 5th century B.C. Right. And, uh, yeah, it kind of went against the grain, as it were. Yeah, big time. Where you could uh, – I think there was a chapter – chapter 13. Uh-huh where he specifically said that you should use people to spread confusion in the ranks and paranoia um, through sabotage. Spying. Spying, um, yeah, espionage, that kind of stuff. Pretty cool. Yeah, just basically underhanded stuff. Disguise was okay. Yeah, deception, I love it. Right, so uh, that is actually where, it's. that's pretty much the basis of ninja, isn't it? Yeah, from what I gather. And and what is it? The art of ninja, the art that ninjas practice. Yeah, it's that called ninja uh, practice ninjutsu, right. and it is not a martial art, but it is a, a, an art of war, is what they call it. It sounds like a martial art. Yeah, but it's not. Okay, that's because utsu it sounds like jujitsu. Right. So okay, we've got this first seed of the ninja planted by Sun Tzu, Indeed. right? Uh huh. Um, and uh, it takes a little while to catch on, and actually, strangely enough, we can trace back. 
um, to some of the first ninja stories, right? Right. Some people who were thought to be among the first ninja sure. in Japan. Right. We've moved over to Japan now, by the way. Yes. Right? Tell me about Prince Yamato. Yeah, Prince Yamato uh, is in some halls called the first ninja. Right. Because he was the first person that we know of to blatantly use deception and disguise by dressing as a woman yep. and uh, to attract <laughs> – this is where it gets a little hinky – to <laughs> literally uh, physically attract two barbarian chieftains. So mm-hmm. apparently he was a good looker as a woman. Hey, or because, androgynous at the least. Yeah, he actually gained their confidence and uh, lulled them into a, a sense of security, a false sense of security, and killed them. Yeah, then he butchered them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's um, not a bad one, frankly. I like that first ninja story. I like yours, though, the 13-year-old kid. Yeah, Kumawaka. Yeah. He um, was a little, I guess kind of a little shrimpy, right? But he had some pretty good legs on him. He traveled a really far distance to uh, visit his father, who was ailing. Right. Um, But his father was being held prisoner by a monk and his family. Apparently, monks did that back then. I didn't know that. What we do now, right? right? Um, So little 13-year-old Kumawaka um, was turned away. After traveling this long distance, wanting to see his father who's dying. Sure. And uh, before he gets a chance to see him, his father dies. Awful. So the kid's like, you know what? I swear vengeance right here and now. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> Little 13-year-old vengeance. Right. So I think um, possibly not so much that he'd read The Art of War, uh-huh. but just that being 13, you know, he wasn't aware of pitch battles or really didn't care about them. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to use a little bit of deception myself. Yeah, plus he, he used, couldn't. He was he wasn't big enough to just fight them straight up. Right, right. He um, he started kind of, I guess, staking out yeah. the the monk's <laughs> home. Uh-huh. And this kid was awesome. He he opened a window to the monk's bedroom, and let a bunch of moths in, uh-huh. and they flocked to a lantern, blotting out all the light. Right. Whereupon he snuck into the room, uh-huh. got the monk's sword. And butchered him. Yes. Have you noticed that most ninja stories end in butchery? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, the story's not over, though, right? Uh, I don't think so. Well, you should also point out, though, he was actually in their home. He, he faked an illness, remember? That's how he got in there. That's right. He faked like he was sick, so they brought him in and took care of him, and he gained their trust and then did the old moth trick. Right. The old moth trick. Right. <laughs> that's, that's like Ninja 101 right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after he butchers the uh, monk, he flees and he's being pursued. So he climbs up a huge length of bamboo mm-hmm. until it tips over uh, a river and he jumps off the other side and is gone Yeah, into the annals of ninja history. That is serious ninja stealth right there. Yeah. Little 13-year-old. Right. How many times can I say little 13-year-old? I don't know. <laughs> we could go back and count. So, yes, even though these are cool stories and they are thought of as maybe – practicing the first ninja practices, they aren't really believed to be the first ninjas, right? No, I mean, they're kind of legend. Exactly. And there's a lot of lore surrounding ninja. Uh, it's really tough, as uh, the grabster who wrote this article pointed out, yeah. to kind of separate fact from fiction. Sure. And in some cases, Japanese historians just have omitted ninja altogether because they're so secretive. Right. Or, uh, you know, exaggerated and glorified it to the point that it's misinformation. Right. Which is part of the whole ninja lore as well. Right, which apparently the ninja were perfectly fine with. Of course they were. Because it freaked people out. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute, right? The supernatural stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, Chuck, what was the true uh, birth of the ninja then? Well, they think that the regions of uh, Aiga and Koga, or is it Iga? 
Iga and Koga. You know what? I think I have no idea for those two, but right. you were getting good at the Japanese. And let me tell you, you have what is called pura pura pura, which means you're very fluent. It's Japanese for that describes very fluent. Talk. Japanese is a little easier to pronounce, I think, than some because it's sure. usually just kind of pronounced like it reads. There's just a lot of letters. Sometimes, yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of vowels together that yeah. don't make any sense. But we're doing our best. Yeah, you're doing so a great job. We're Chuck. going with Iga and Koga, and they are considered to be the birthplace of ninja as a major force in warfare. Right. And here's why. There was a bunch of clans in these two regions, and the guys um, who were members of the clans uh, tended to farm themselves out as mercenaries, which we've talked about before. Absolutely. Um, and they actually adopted a lot of the um, ninja attitude. <laughs> the ninjitude? The ninjitude, right. <laughs> nice. Um, they they adopted a lot of it, um, serving as spies, saboteurs, uh, and assassins, right? Yeah, I love that word, by the way, saboteur. It, it's a pretty cool word. That's word. why uh, Firefly was one of my favorite G.I. Joes, which we'll get to uh, in a minute. Wow, it's all coming around. Yeah. So in uh, Iga and Koga, right, the, This basically this region, rather than um, turning to brewing or um, grain production, right. they turned to ninja production. Yeah. You know, and they protected. They were hired out by the uh, daimyo, which were was another word for a lord. Pura pura pura, a feudal a feudal lord, and basically like mercenaries, they would whoever had the most dough would uh, get hired. So they were not known as loyal. They would go where the money was. No, which as you said is completely contrary to the bushido code oh, of the time. samurai, sure. who uh, was a. I, I guess you could probably make a case was a rival faction in Japan at the time. Right. If you wanted somebody who would be willing to die for you, you had your samurai. Mm -hmm. If you wanted somebody who you could pay to go do horrible things for you, but then may eventually come back and kill you right. after he was hired <laughs> for somebody else, you went with the ninja. Yeah. Right? Good point. So uh, one of the cool things that the Grabster mentioned was that the reason uh, Ego and uh, Koga were, I guess, these hotbeds of activity uh -huh. for ninja was that the the, um, the art of uh, ninjutsu yeah. was passed on from father to son, generation after generation after generation. Right. And we're talking sneaking around. Uh, from what I gather from reading is that... Uh, the lowly ninja were the ones that were slinging the swords around, and the true uh, skilled ninja did not do a lot of face-to-face -face fighting. They were sneaking around. They mm -hmm. were gathering information. Like you said, they were sabotaging. They were spying and uh, giving myths information. Right. And uh, apparently, uh, since castles were – they figured so largely into feudal Japan um, – the ninja became especially adept at um, infiltrating castles. Oh yeah, and uh, escaping from castles that uh -huh. were under siege. There's a, the story of one ninja who was uh, hired by a uh, daimyo um, who owned a castle that was under siege. And uh, one night he slipped out, yeah. went to the enemy encampment, stole their flag, and then when they woke up the next morning, they saw their flag like on the uh, embattlements of the sure. the castle. Which you can imagine, you just Mocking be like. Them. Wah, wah, wah. Right. Or Wait, don't did, we have that sound effect? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. Or did they wake up and think, did we already capture this castle? What were we doing here? That's what I would think. <laughs> did we already capture Because their flag was flying, but apparently it was a mocking thing. And, uh, right, yeah. It That's would kind of take the wind out of their sails. And there was also a uh, another story, legend, ninja lore, of a group of ninjas, actually. Uh -huh. A group of ninja, sorry, um, that captured the... Uh, I guess the badge, a paper lantern badge, which oh, yeah. identified like it identified with a castle and a daimyo. Uh, tell that one. Okay. 
I'm going to knock your socks off right here, Chuck. So they stole this lantern, reproduced it, reproduced the badge, put them on other lanterns, and then just walked right into the castle, right? right? Mm-hmm. Butchered everybody. Like they do. Yeah. And then walked back out. And when everybody woke up the next morning and found the people who were not butchered, found uh, you know what was going on, um, they had created uh, paranoia. Right. Which, as we said, is another thing that ninja like to do. Absolutely. Disruption. Yes. Uh, they were very skilled. Wait, are your socks knocked off? Uh, these are actually new socks, and they are still on. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> uh, did you know that George Hamilton once said that he wore a new pair of socks every day? He never wore the same pair of socks. I could see him doing that. My good friend Andrew told me that once. Really? Uh, moving on. The ninja, Josh, you know what their their main deal was? You know what they were best at? What? Assassination. Yes. Sneaking in in the dead of night and killing you yeah. in your sleep sometimes. Yeah. And my favorite story was, and this one is not verified, but the uh, the legend of the ninja who hid beneath the outhouse. And you know what goes on beneath the outhouse. Yeah, he <laughs> hid in the pit. Hid in the pit, and then the, uh, the daimyo came in, obviously, sat down on the john, and the ninja struck from below with the sword. Yeah, but uh, which my, is just that's not <laughs> comfy. My favorite part of the story, though, it says uh, it's probably not true because historical records show that the daimyo in question probably died of a stroke or brain aneurysm. But I think maybe if you had a sword stuck up your butt, then maybe you might have a stroke or a brain aneurysm. I would have a stroke for sure. So maybe that did happen. Plus, also, I could see his family trying to keep that hush hush. Yeah, I would say so. You know, but it made made the daimyo very paranoid. Right, yeah, and actually they took a lot of measures to protect against these ninja assassins yes. that they always figured were coming for them. <clears throat> like um, there was one clan where uh, at their castle everyone had to wear long, um, I guess, bell-bottoms basically. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That made noise whenever you walked. Right. So anyone who was in the castle had to wear these kind <laughs> of pants. Had to corduroy bell-bottoms. Pretty much. And and I can only imagine that they had an ample supply for visitors. If yeah, everybody had to sure. use them, you know, and not everyone was walking around with bell bottoms, I imagine they had them for you. Right, like drop your front. keys in the bowl and put on these bell bottoms. Sure, yeah. You're going to stay here. Right. Uh, the other one, a uh, cool one, was in Kyoto. They had a, uh, the Nijo Castle had what they called nightingale floors, mm-hmm. and they were purposefully squeaky. The way they made these wooden floors, yeah, so they, they could like hear people. Counterbalance, right? Uh huh. So anyone walking on them, even a ninja, right, could be heard. Yes, and also the daimyo would spend uh, more and more time away from their home at uh, what they called secret springs, basically little hidden resorts at natural springs. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like out of ninja, the vacation resort, bell bottom <laughs> jeans, and uh, squeaky floors. Squeaky floors were born. Nice, pretty cool. You wrapped that up very nicely. Thank you. So, Chuck, um, the whole, um, I guess, samurai sword up the bottom story <laughs> that that it was probably uh, a legend uh-huh. because the guy probably died of an aneurysm or a stroke, right? Sure. Um, that kind of reveals that lore that has surrounded ninja forever. And one of the things that um, they've been attributed with or bestowed with are like supernatural powers, right? Yeah, of course that's not true. No. But it's fun. Yeah. And like you said earlier, the ninja loved it. They were like, yeah, we're seven feet tall and we can fly and become invisible. Those are three. Those uh, are three. They could also walk through walls, which I imagine it would, would really come in handy for a ninja. Oh, sure. You know, But, I mean, if you think about it, if you're penetrating a castle that no one else can get through, 
it probably seems a lot like you can walk through walls. Exactly. And then, of course, there's the real basic go-to one that they're ghosts. Yeah, shapeshifters. Did you ever read um, Commando comics? No. There, there was like they were from the seventies, I think. They were like just black and white comics set in World War Two, uh, and in one of them, that was the this guy had to fight ninjas in Burma, ninja ah. in Burma, and uh, it was pretty cool. I'm if ashamed ever... to say I was a little wuss boy with the comics. Were you? I was like, I was into Archie and Richie Rich. <laughs> what? I know. What? Isn't that awful? And then stuff like the Star Wars comics and stuff like that. But uh, I, I... don't try to cool it up now. <laughs> It's awful. What? I was a big Archie guy. I was a little Baptist boy, you know. And Richie Rich? Yeah, Richie Rich was great. Yeah. I liked the cartoon. <laughs> sure. Never read the comic. Oh, you know. I was a little wuss. Yeah. Oh, you were into ninjas and stuff, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I was a bad kid. I was reading Archie in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Chuck. But here we are, years later. I know. The same. We're both as twisted. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. All right. I've been on. trying to get better. You've been trying to get worse. <laughs> yeah, so we met in the middle. Yeah. Uh, where are we now? With their gear? I would say we're at Ninja Gear. And Chuck, I should say, part. Chuck has a uh, several large printouts of pictures of Ninja Gear. I do. That are just bitching. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about some of these. Um, ninja, well, first let's talk about their clothes, their uniform, the, the Ninja Yori. Yoroi. 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 <laughs> It is uh, also called Ninja Armor, and it's like the black jacket, black trousers, <laughs> hooded cowl, and light sandals. Not a lot of protection with that. Now, I don't some know of if them were light the armor. Right word. Well, they said some of them were light armor under that. Right. But it's not much, trust me. No, it's cloth. Well, because they wanted to be sneaky. Sure. And not make a lot of noise, so armor probably wasn't the best way to get around. And traditionally, the Yoroi was um, black, uh, although apparently there is some historical evidence that they wore all white Yoroi. Which is pretty cool, too. In the snow? If it were snowy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. They're like, oh, it's snowing. Got to put on the white Yoroi today and go kill people. (laughs) (laughs) However, Josh, most of this is uh, fanciful lore, although they did have these uh, costumes. What they mainly wore, they wanted to blend in, so they mainly just dressed like you and I. Yeah, that's an excellent point, too. Like, if you're going to be an assassin um, and you're in a public place... If you're dressed like a ninja, people are going to be like, uh, look out for that ninja. Right. So, yeah, a lot of times they they, uh, they were apparently uh, masters at um, hiding in plain sight, right? Yeah, disguised as uh, priests and merchants and farmers. Right. Which is, you know, makes sense to me. Because what was it that Henry Hill said? He said, uh, when you get killed, it's it's somebody who's coming at you with a smile who's your friend. Right. That's who kills you. Sure. Yeah. Henry Hill. He comes up a lot. It's funny. Yeah. I never thought he would come up in a ninja podcast. To be <laughs> didn't uh, what else did they use, Josh? The ninja toe was the uh, sh- uh, short sword that in they the wore back. on their back, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Used to butcher people. Yeah. <laughs> and then here's what I have the pictures of. The, the shuko is this cool little claw hand. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, claws on your palm that you would wear as a glove. And it says you can use to fight or to climb trees with. Tommy, Ro- Tommy Roper had one of those. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Hey, he tried to climb trees once in a while, too. He was never successful. Really? He could when he didn't have those on. Like, yeah. he could just climb a tree, but just climbing <laughs> like that, it, it didn't work. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this is the tiger claw. Those are cool. Yeah, that looks like Freddy Krueger Wolverine or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And it would butcher you if put to your jugular. And what are these? And this is my favorite. These are the caltrops. And these were 
They look sort of like little metal sharp origami razor things. I was just about to say origami. They do. You got to leave it to the Japanese. They have great design with everything. Yeah, they're beautiful, including little tacks meant to puncture your feet, the soles of your feet. Yeah, that's what you would do. You would throw these on the floor uh, for your enemy to step on, and they apparently wore like the sandals and the thin shoes, so that worked. And I, I wish this uh, were a video podcast because Chuck gave Jerry and I a demonstration <laughs> no. of what that would look like. <laughs> When people uh, were chasing the ninja. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They also used uh, smoke bombs. Yeah. And uh, what else? Ropes. The coolest thing, small one-person boats that were collapsible. That's awesome. So they were highly portable. Yeah. So a ninja would just be running away from people. He's thrown his tax. What were the tax called again? Uh, the caltrops. Right. Uh, he's thrown his caltrops, and they didn't work. A couple of guys got around, and he's reached a river. There's no bamboo in sight. He just whips out his little boat and sails across like, so long, chumps. Pretty cool. I'll be back to kill you when you're sleeping. <laughs> uh, the other thing that has been uh, refuted by the Mythbusters I read was the Mizugumo, and they were uh, wooden shoes to walk on water with. They kind of look like snowshoes, actually. Mm-hmm. Big round things, and your foot goes in the middle to disperse the water. And those MythBusters guys said, "Yeah, this doesn't work." Did they try it out themselves? <laughs> yeah, of course they did. That doesn't disprove anything. Those they should guys be called are too fat to be ninja. <laughs> we should call that show the Fun Killers instead of the MythBusters. <laughs> right? Yeah. All they do is destroy fun. Nice. But they said it they could work on Marsh. Is what they said. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll give them something. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's the throwing star, aka the uh, shuriken. Yeah, and I, I didn't know this. I thought that, you know, when you see in the movies, they clearly always fling these and embed them. Right into somebody's <laughs> forehead. Right between the eyes. Yeah. But that's really not true, is it? No, apparently they were just kind of a uh, distracting weapon. Yeah. Like it was meant to look like it was about to hit you right between the sure. eyes, but the, the chances of it actually hitting its target are pretty low. So they would turn around when being chased, throw mm-hmm. a star at them to distract them, and then drop some caltrops on the floor and a smoke bomb maybe. Right. And then use a grappling hook and a rope ladder to escape. That's what they call the Schenectady Shuffle in Ninja Lore. <laughs> that combo right there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Chuck, there's the grappling hook, right, which oh, you yeah. can't leave out. Sure. Basically, if you have all this stuff, you are a um, little white kid in suburban America trying to be a ninja. Right. If you're a stealthy guy and you're infiltrating a castle, you're not going to have all this stuff, except maybe your collapsible boat, your caltrops, and your little sword, right? Right. Uh, but other than that, it seems like this was more the arsenal that no ninja at any one time had all these things on him, right? Yeah, but in the movies, of course, that's how it's portrayed because it's more fun. Movies like uh, Enter the Ninja, maybe? Enter the Ninja? American Ninja. Did you see that one? Did no. you watch ninja movies as a kid? No. Where were you, Chuck? I, I told you I was reading Archie. American Ninja was awesome. I was watching uh, Escape from Witch Mountain and Archie. That was a creepy movie. No, it wasn't. Escape <laughs> from Witch Mountain? Well, it, d- it didn't age well. No. You should go watch it now. No. And not the cruddy remake. No. Uh, what Which, was isn't, isn't like The Rock in there? <laughs> yeah, of course he is. <laughs> That's Dwayne Johnson to you, buddy. Oh, okay. Uh, what was the first movie, though, Josh, uh, credited as being the first movie with a ninja? Uh, you Only Live Twice, the James Bond movie. Yes, sir. It, uh, it, it, in, when the movie came out in 1967, Ninja just exploded in Western culture. Oh, of course, because people that go, to see, that go to see the James Bond movies are looking for any cool new thing anyway. Uh-huh. So imagine when they saw the ninja, they were like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that's the coolest mercenary I've ever seen in my life. They were like, look at those guys butchering everybody. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Of course. I never got into them. No, nah, me neither. No. Nah. And then, Chuck, of course, um, you probably haven't heard of this, but there's this thing called G.I. Joe. 
I know the early G.I. Joe. We've been over this. The 12-inch G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. No, not, not tiny them. dolls. The tiny ones. They're no. not dolls. They're action figures. What you played with are dolls. Yes. Like you can hug them and cuddle them. You can't cuddle an action figure. <laughs> That's true. And they had bendable elbows and stuff like that. Uh, did your 12-inchers have Kung Fu grip? Because oh, yeah. the little action figures did too. Did they really? Uh-huh. Yeah, oh yeah, that's where it started, buddy. Okay. Well, um, in the 1982 series, a little ninja was introduced known as Snake Eyes. Right. He worked on the good side. Oh, really? I thought Snake Eyes was bad. No. Oh. You're thinking of Storm Shadow. Oh, okay. Storm Shadow is a Cobra Ninja. And actually, I was looking on yojo.com today. Uh-huh. Have you ever trolled that site? No. Oh, my God. It's like Nostalgia Central, right? I did see that new movie, though. The G.I. Joe movie? Yeah. Is it out? No, it's out on video now. Was it any good? No, not really. Okay. Uh, and I love the cartoon, though. The, I don't think any uh, animation had more of an impact on the development of my personality in the G.I. <laughs> Joe cartoon. Really? Yeah. Every time it came on, I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for letting me be alive and at an age <laughs> where I can fully appreciate the G.I. Joe cartoon. See, I said the same thing about Tom and Jerry. Yeah. So that's where we were. <laughs> so, well, uh, again, let me let me go back to uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow is clearly a ninja. Snake Eyes is uh, listed on his file card uh-huh. on the back of the package as a commando, although uh-huh. he is proficient in bladed weapons and uh, martial arts, several martial arts, right? Okay. So I'm thinking, why, why would he be called a commando? Is he not a ninja? And I was going to totally throw the smackdown on the grabster for calling Snake Eyes a ninja in this uh-huh. article. I did a little more dig- digging. <laughs> it turns out that Snowjob and Snake Eyes were once brothers in arms for the same clan. And actually, Snake Eyes is a uh, a trained ninja, although he's also a commando. Really? Yeah. And then they went their separate ways. Uh, there was a little bit of a falling out. They went their separate ways. Sure. Uh, S- uh, Storm Shadow, the Cobra Ninja, actually went to work for Cobra as a disguise to find who f- who killed the clan leader. Wow. Well, yeah. And um, once he did find out, he was actually um, brainwashed. Uh-huh. He was discovered as a as a spy. Uh, he was discovered, brainwashed, and then actually did start working for Cobra. Snake Eyes, he always uh, was on Joe's side. Dude. I did not know that there was that much real information out there about G.I. Joe. Yeah. So this is all in the history. Someone's actually written that. Yeah. Well, the, the, there's canon, like a, there's, again, there's a comic series you're probably not aware of. Yeah, not at uh, all. And, and, yeah, it's pretty uh, storied. See, I was confused. When I watched the movie, I kept waiting for Joe. kept waiting for Franco Harris to come out, you know, with the beard. Who? G.I. Joe always looked like Franco Harris to me, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steeler running back. Wait a minute. I'm trying to think of who you're thinking of. Duke was the closest to the. Well, there was Duke no Joe. Was the Joe leader. was no, a group. That was the collective name of them. Yeah, see, that just confuses me. Because oh. back in the day, don't be confused. Back in the day, GI Joe was a dude, a single dude. Right, but then they just kind of said, "That sucks. Let's go with the better version here. <laughs> okay. Let's go with action figures. Let's make GI Joe the collective thing." Right. Have did you see that link to the uh, stop action? Um, Vietnam movie, full-length Vietnam movie that I Rob did. Shep sent. Did you see my reply to that? Yeah, you made a movie? I did. My brother and I, when we were six and nine years old, respectively, made a stop-motion Super 8 movie with G.I. Joe dolls. And how, it had how, a little what, plot and everything. What was the plot? Um, we had this little shiny button, and the button represented like uh, a microfilm disc, <laughs> and they... Um, you know, it got stolen, and Joe had to go retrieve it from the bad guys. Nice. And we shot it in the woods near our house, and it was pretty cool. Do you have? Were there explosions? Uh, no, there were no explosions. I think we might have 
lit something on fire. I'll bet you're in the woods. But, um, I, I don't know if it still exists. It's got to be somewhere. But if my you brother find it, know. I want to see it. So, Scott, if you're listening, if you have that, we would love to see that. Agreed, Scott. But I don't think he has it. We should probably get back to Ninja, right? Is there anything else? There there are a couple of things. Of course, Ninja exploded in popular culture recently uh, to kind of rival Pirates and Chuck Norris, right? Oh, that's what I hear. I didn't know about that, though. So there's like that site I just showed you, Real Ultimate Power, <laughs> about great. how ninjas flip out and kill everybody. They're awesome, and by awesome, I mean totally sweet. It tells a uh, it tells a story of one ninja who was eating in a diner, and some guy dropped a spoon, and the ninja flipped out and killed the whole town. Oh, really? Yeah, just stuff like that. Right. Right. What's the whole pirate versus ninja thing? Because someone wrote in about that. That one, I don't know. Okay. I just I know that Ask a Ninja took on uh, AskAninja.com is another site uh-huh. where you can ask ninja a ninja practical questions like how to work a new iPhone app and stuff like that. But he does actually take on um, the pirates on Pirate Talk Like a Pirate Day, which we mentioned as well. So apparently, okay. there's some bad blood between pirates and ninja. My money is on the ninja. Well, sure. Because they could sneak in onto a pirate ship pretty easily, I would think. Pirates are all brash. A ninja just comes up, puts the blade at the base of your skull, inserts it into your brain, scrambles it. Right. Dead pirate. The pirates are all drunk on rum and ninja. I don't think they drink. No. They might hit the sake every once in a while, but (laughs) that's about it. And then one last thing. If you're a true ninja lover, there is one place you have to be first week of April, and that is in Aiga. At the Haku Hojo White Phoenix Castle, known as the Ninja Museum. Yeah, they've embraced, I, I guess, really embraced their uh, ninja roots, and they try to capitalize on that, obviously. Yeah. For money. Well, why not? It's the root of all ninja. Yeah, I went to that website, the museum website. It's pretty cool. Is it? Mm-hmm. But they have, a, they have a festival, a ninja festival. I know. Every year, including a ninja parade. I know. I want to see that. I can see ninja, like, driving around in a little Shriner's car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. So that's ninja. That's it. Yeah. Great. Uh, we covered just about everything, but if you want to see some boss pics of ninja hiding in trees and ninja weapons and stuff like that, you can type in ninja in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I guess now it's time for listener mail, huh? Yes, Josh. I've got a short one. I'm going to call this Our Influence on the World. <laughs> Nice. This is pretty cool. You're gonna, I don't know if you read this one or not. You're going to love it. It just came in today. Chuck and Josh, I am a geologist in Columbus, Ohio. Go Buckeyes. And I often stumble across geo... Is it cache? I always say cache and catch. I think you can say it either way. And I often stumble across geocaches when I'm out in the field doing research. I always follow all of the geocaching rules and sign the logbook along with usually leaving something behind for others to find. This time, however, I was a little different. It was a little different because... When I opened the sealed plastic container, I found a keychain, a deck of cards, bottle caps, and two Carlos Santana CDs. That's so awesome. (laughs) So awesome. I thought this was a little odd until I remembered your podcast on geocaching, caching from last year, when you two joked about putting Santana CDs. So wait, should we put a, should we go to, should we go back and listen to one part? Sure. So like if your average hiker uh, happens upon this box full of, uh, Santana CDs and they're thinking wow I can just take these CDs someone left these this is awesome so there it is and apparently uh, and we that wasn't the only time we, we mentioned Santana CDs several times yeah several times yeah. sure and uh, JD from Columbus says I thought I would let you know that at least two geo catching fans in, Col- in Columbus listen to your podcast and it was awesome to sort of meet one of them that's cool I don't think that's coincidence do you 
I don't see how it could be. A Santana CD and a geocache? Are you joking? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was our influence directly. I agree. Pretty cool. You know, we've had a, another um, another influence on uh, somebody in, I believe, Slovakia. Not sure. I think so. Uh, there's a guy who wrote in, and he founded a site called Weird Worm and actually started a podcast, and it's pretty good. You should listen to it. I did. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And he uh, attributes it directly to being inspired by us. Hey, cool. Yeah, so uh, you should check out weirdworm.com and their accompanying podcast, too. It's Watch, they're cool. going to overtake us in the ratings yeah. immediately. Yeah, probably. Thanks, Josh. Sorry. Thanks a lot. At least there's people out there trading Santana CDs. That'll be our legacy, Chuck. Right. <laughs> Well, if you uh, have any story about how Chuck and I have impacted your life, influenced you in any way, or got you to do something really, really bad, we want to hear about it in an email, which you can send to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?